0: But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York.
2: What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hans Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. You're listening to DraftKings Network.
3: It's a beautiful moment.
0: What's up everybody? Welcome to Gojo, Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me as always, Super Producer Brandon Newman, Isaiah in the Desert, my father Mike Golick Sr., and back on the actual aforementioned day at the time you all are used to, our great friend and the co-host of Oddball, wherever you get your podcast, Charlotte Wilder. Charlotte, how are we doing bud?
2: I'm great. I think we've had a pretty good string of Wilder Wednesday on a Wednesday. Am I right?
0: Yeah,
1: I I think we need to change that up. I think you got to start doing it on other days. You know what we're doing? We're becoming too predictable. we got to throw a wrench into this a little bit.
0: But see, I think this is the right time of year to start to fall into our routine because we are getting towards fall. I don't know if you guys have felt it at all yet. I saw some of our friends in the South got their first taste today. I got my first taste over the weekend in San Francisco, the little bite in the air. It showed up, and it immediately flooded me with college football and football feelings. And Charlotte, that to me is the ultimate time of year for routine. It's the routine my life's been built on forever. And that feeling is like the first real pinprick of nostalgia for it.
2: I could not agree more. There is nothing more nostalgic. And maybe it's because it came from like going back to school as a kid and the romance of summer ending, and you're like, oh, my God. But there's also something very exciting about it that when fall – when that bite hits, when fall hits, whether it's because of football or because of school or whatever, it feels like this fundamental shift where you're like, I am ready to go. I could run through a wall. Let's go do some cool stuff. But um, I also, for me, it's very strict. This is uh, the first time in two years that I'm not gonna be on the road for college football games. So it's also like a little bit of a, oh my God, I'm I'm gonna have like, I can go apple picking on a weekend if oh. I want to.
0: I was going to say, are you excited for the freedom that you're going to have on weekends now? Are you sad that you won't be hanging out with a squirrel outside of the Vol Navy's headquarters in Knoxville? How are you feeling?
2: Um, you know, I feel I feel great because I think that it was it's the right time for everything, like doing Oddball um, on the DraftKings Network and YouTube and wherever you get your shows um, has been really, really fun, and it feels like diving in to NBA now has been the place that it makes sense for me to be. Um, and I and I loved getting to explore the country with, uh, and all the strange places I went, but it was also like, a, it was very intense. You know, it was Wednesday to Saturday or Sunday of like four to six feature shoots in that short amount of time. and And, you know, it was not a small lift. So I think part of me is a, little relief for a little bit more consistency and, and you know, a chance to catch my breath
1: couple things here number one you mentioned nba and i will probably mention it the in-season tournament that is getting okayed and what an unbelievably fantastic idea that is said with unbelievable sarcasm right now i don't get it uh number two if you ever go apple picking you're going to need to send video because i don't know where you pulled apple picking from but i don't believe you're going to go once this fall though so i hope you do i hope you do <gasps> go apple picking. I feel like
0: if anyone could believably and consistently go apple picking, (laughs) it is for sure Charlotte Wilder. Are you going apple picking, Charlotte? Are you going apple picking?
1: Have
2: you met me? Have you met me? I'm like New England. If New England were a person, it would be me walking around in my glasses that make me look like I have a bookstore on some quaint street right next to an apple orchard. Mike, Yes, of course I've been apple picking. But here's the thing. I was apple picking before it was cool. Before all of you were doing Instagram photo shoots in apple orchards or like putting your babies in wheelbarrows i was out there 6 years old in stone massachusetts yeah. picking those apples because i wanted to eat them we didn't even have digital cameras we didn't have Woo. phones i was you like apple picking name three of its songs
0: Tell them! Let them know! Frauds! Charlotte has had her hand in the apple-picking dirt since day one. The rest of you don't know nothing about that life. You don't know about hard times, Daddy. Let, let me ask you this, Miss New England.
1: Apple-picking or clamming? Which yeah. one?
2: Oh, that's like asking me to choose a favorite child.
1: <laughs> well, I do it every day. I choose a favorite child every day. You know, oh. those that say you love all you your children clam- the same. You clamming every
2: day? You go claiming no, 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 it.
1: No. <laughs> every day, every day the my favorite child switches depending on what stupid stuff they do that day. So again, saying you love all your children the exact same as a bunch of BS, that just is not true. No,
2: no, no, That that's actually how I feel. Like when the clams are really acting up, I'm like, I am all in on apple picking today. So I totally
1: get it. There you go. And quickly about fall, fall's my favorite time. And and mm-hmm. just with that little chill in the air, but also I, I start to chuckle a little bit. Uh, your mother and I, Mike, you know how we walk the dogs on the Notre Dame campus here and people are starting to get to come back to school, like RAs are coming back this week, school starts soon here. And the amazing thing about it is, and, and we all went through it, and everybody listening and, or, or watching has gone through it, you get excited to get to start the new school year, right? Whether you're six, seven years old or in college, you're excited. And then a week in, you're like, damn, <laughs> I got to write a paper or man, I'm back in school. The excitement goes away within a week.
0: Every time it it, it is. And I think I was thinking about this with the like bite of fall in the air because you're right. What it is is a signal to your body that a bunch of the stuff you're used to doing is about to come. And with that one comes all of that. I was trying to think of my five favorite weather moments that are all correlated to the things that come with them. I think I came up with a pretty good list here. The (laughs) fifth one would be number five, number five would be the first snowfall. Because same idea, Dad. The first snowfall is pretty and beautiful. But then after that, you're shoveling snow for the rest of the winter. It's winter, which means it's cold and that kind of sucks. And so all the things that come with it after that, not necessarily as cute. Number four, for that same reason, number four, would be the 4th of July. I can deal with, like, one or two sweltering hot days when you're outside and the beers are sweating and you get to go buy a body of water and it's a great time but a lot of the rest of the summer can be oppressively hot as people have felt all around this country all year number three number three the first day of spring great one too signifies birth renewal all of that and then my allergies kick in and that part sucks. Um, number two is just a good thunderstorm on the porch. That one I think is actually timeless. And number one is the ball, the bite of fall air that, uh, breaks in about this time of year. So, uh, but all of them kind of have that common thread of, Hey, it starts off great, but then you got to deal with all the stuff you don't exactly like about that. Yep. It's exactly right. It's exactly right. That's where we are, but it's football
1: season.
2: But I I do remember every year going back to school, like in high school especially, and getting through one day of a full day of classes and being like, oh, I'm sorry. I have to do this every day, every week for nine (laughs) months, being like, this feels truly like I physically cannot do this. And then by the next week, you're like, okay, I'm back in school. It's fine. But it's a real – it takes a second. It takes a second to get used to it.
0: It does take a second. There's that adjustment period that goes on, and so we are here to help shepherd everybody through that adjustment period. We've got a great show today. As always, download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star rating. We are going to get to another round of our three big questions for the Power Five conferences in college football. Since we've got Charlotte here, we're going to head down to the SEC, one of the conferences that's actually going to survive and make it through to whatever comes next. Um We're going to get to that. We've got to have Charlotte help us decode some NBA news also. But speaking of markers for the fall, uh, I need Brandon Newman to step to the pulpit here. Because one of the things that I have become accustomed to is Brandon Newman, one of our nation's chief haters, coming and anytime something seems universally lauded or praised immediately shouting it down and one of the great markers for the start of the fall is always Bruce Feldman's freaks list going into college football season where you get to see some of the finest strongest lads our nation has to offer number one on the list is Nichols Harbor the South Carolina wide receiver who looks like Calvin Johnson reincarnate dad you rewatched that video of him running a track race against a bunch of small high school kids and making them all look like babies you've got the the you know the marvin harrison juniors of the world obviously but the video that did it for everybody yesterday was Michigan defensive tackle Chris Jenkins. And I thought, oh, Brandon likes defense and defensive linemen. Brandon was once one of the strongest guys I had known and been around. Surely he would enjoy a man doing a Turkish getup, a wild exercise where you've got to hold a weight above you while getting yourself flat off your back to standing on a knee. He did it with 170 pounds. Like I cannot stress enough, like 35 pounds would crush most people. And yet Brandon Newman in our pre-show meeting last night comes waltzing in, ready to poo-poo this feat of strength as something wholly unimpressive. Brandon, are you still sticking to your haterade on this?
3: I am. I am. I'm ten toes down on my haterade on this subject. Why? Mainly because it's Chris Jenkins' son. Do we understand what that means? It's Chris Jenkins' son. That's like... It's like Hercules running around bragging about being strong while his daddy is still Zeus. It's like, okay, uh, let's see something else.
2: That's an awesome analogy. 10 out of 10. Is this a direct shot at me, by the way?
3: It's not, I, I struggle bringing up <laughs> father figure things and nepotism on this show all the time because I don't want you guys to think it's a, it's like a, a covered uh, shade remark or something. I'm coming at it you. It seems like it is. It seems like a not I, so
0: thinly I, <laughs> veiled shot. Yeah, It <laughs> seems
1: you know like he just ball, ball
3: batted you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying- Is this really like, am, where we hash this I out? Mean, my God. I'm saying that CrossFit- in the football locker rooms is really cool and fun and, and cool to see but i'm not going to go crazy over it before we get into the season this guy is supposed to make a big leap and, and supposed to be an impact player he had 52 tackles last year that sounds like impact player to me on that michigan uh, on that michigan uh, defense but listen I, I i am so tired of seeing people in underwear lift heavy weights i can't wait to get to real football
1: Listen, it, it, it doesn't – I'm not equating it to what he's going to do on the football field. Not at all. I'm just looking at it in a vacuum of an exercise. You know, I, I work out at Orange Theory Fitness, the wife and I, and, and they we do this exercise. Now, we do we do it with about 20 pounds over our head. It's 170 friggin pounds. That is a man amongst men right there.
0: All right, guys. Let's talk about Jägermeister. And remember to check out Jagermeister at www.draftkingsxjagermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jagermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jagermeister U.S., White Plains, New York. So before we get to our, our college football look ahead and some happenings around that sport, since we do have Charlotte here, who's now the basketball expert on our show, doing a great daily show with me and El Hassan. Charlotte, we need you to help us decode the 76ers situation with James Harden. Obviously, we talked about a lot of the mess. I'm sure you guys talked a lot about about a lot of the mess of James Harden going over to China and calling Daryl Morey a liar in front of what I'd imagine is a pretty confused crowd. But (laughs) now we've got on the other side, Charlotte, apparently a little bit of social media decoding that has to go on. Joel Embiid, and this is courtesy of Sean Barnard at the Philly Sports Network, said Joel Embiid has removed processing and the location Philadelphia, Pennsylvania from his Twitter bio. How worried should 76ers fans be?
2: Uh, I can't decide if 76ers fans should be more worried than Knicks fans should be excited. I think this sort of low-key hilarious part of this is that the Knicks, fan- Knicks fans actually think like that they're going to get Embiid and who knows, may I, you know, stranger things have happened. I think it would actually be, an. I mean, I think this is, not a wild hot take to say it would be a better situation for him at this point. You'd be coming into, you know, Jalen Brunson, um, Josh Hart was playing great. I think that there it actually could work more so than Philadelphia, because right now it is an absolute disaster down there. James Harden and Daryl Moore are playing a game of chicken. Like both of them, this is not about basketball anymore. This is about their egos. This is about James Harden saying Daryl Moore is a liar. And we don't know about what, you know, Did does Harden, is Harden implying that Maury lied and and that Harden took a pay cut last year, a $15 million pay cut, to be, quote, you know, made whole uh, right. on the other side, which would be not legal uh, in the NBA and everybody would be in a whole lot of trouble. Or did Maury suggest, like, hey, if you opt into your contract, it'll make it easier to trade you and then refuse to trade Harden. And either way, it's just this spectacular blow up um, that is threatening to swallow the whole organization. And I really think if I'm Joel Embiid, I would take processing out too. Because one thing's for sure, nothing is processing at this point. Everything has been processed and it is like a total disaster. So why would you want to stick around? I mean, I don't know how much, how it's, how possible it is for him to leave. But I think, you know, I feel awful for him. I think it's an, I think it's also sort of just a travesty for the basketball world that we have this generational talent in Embiid and the Sixers cannot get, can't stop tripping over their own feet on the way to trying to get him. I mean, also, I know he's had injury issues and hasn't always performed in the postseason, but still, it's like at least put him in a position where if he messes up, it's his fault. (laughs) So if we
1: look at Charlotte, if we look at an offseason where a lot of this stuff goes on and then you get to the regular season and everything's back to quote-unquote normal and beat is still with the Sixers and Harden is still with the Sixers, does this team in your mind have a shot or are they just going to fall short because there, there are just a couple of teams better than them in the conference?
2: Oh, I don't think he would even get to a point where it would matter if other teams are better or not. I think Harden is going to do absolute. I mean, Ramona Shelburne reported yesterday uh, on ESPN that, that Harden was going to, to do whatever he could to make things uncomfortable. And we've seen in the past how he has done that. I mean, when he wanted to trade in the Rockets and give it to him and he showed up and just absolutely gave up at training camp, I don't even think he would show up. To the Sixers training camp, I think at this point he's going to just keep. If we thought him saying Daryl Morey is a liar in China was explosive, I don't think we've even. And that was a first. That was his opening salvo. I don't think we've even come close to seeing what sorts of things he's going to be launching into the ether. I would be shocked if he suits up and agrees to get on the court and and even pretend to play at this point. Mike, I am Mike kind is, of excited Mike, do you to think, see. Yeah.
1: I was going to say, Mike, do you think he's worth the trouble anymore? I mean, is is he going to put that team over the top when we see 40 points in one game and, you know, 0 for 10 and from threes in the next game in the playoff? I mean, is he even that guy anymore to be able to do that? Because he hasn't won a title with other stars.
0: Well, he's not supposed to be that guy in Philadelphia. That guy's supposed to be Joel. Like, he's supposed to be a really expensive garnish on the side of the main dish that's Joel Embiid. So it it kind of flips the power dynamic in my mind the same way it was supposed to be in L.A. Hey, it was supposed to be Anthony Davis now, and LeBron James isn't supposed to have to be the best player in the world anymore because he's old as hell, and so that shouldn't be the case. (laughs) So that would be my thought process. Plus, again, this is about what are your other options, and at this point if you're Philadelphia walking into the season – What other really compelling options do you have of a player you can realistically get over there unless all of a sudden you could somehow turn this into, like, Dame Lillard, Charlotte?
2: Yeah, I think that it's sort of – I mean – there isn't a better option. I think Harden could be that guy if he wanted to be that guy, I think, um, or at least be, you know, the the Robin to Embiid's Batman because um, he's an unbelievable player. He's such a talent. I know he's almost 34. I know that there are questions about that, but, you know, 10-time All-Star, one-time league MVP, I don't think you can say, like, I don't know what better player there would be for Philly right now, but I don't think if he is not willing to actually play, then what good is any of that? And I think not. No, I don't know the whole situation, right? I think that's also very important. I don't know what role Maury and Harden have each played behind the scenes. In I don't know what role Harden's agent has played. I just I, we know so little about what's going on, but I do know that this was Maury's guy and this is no longer Maury's guy. And I think at what point, I think that Maury's own hubris and ego is definitely probably, I'm speculating here. I think that it's gonna be a problem for, I don't think he's willing to let go of Harden, even though to me, I'd be like, you know what? Do whatever you want. I think we're better off getting a bunch of, you know, look at look at the heat. I don't know if you guys heard they had role players last year. Like, maybe Philly should give that a try to reach the finals.
1: I I, think the I one do thing love the idea say, of
0: people. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna
1: say, the one thing we can say is is, Mike, is basketball players have the most power of anybody, right? I mean, they can control their situation better than any other athlete. This guy's made a ton of money already. So sitting
0: out to him I don't think means a damn thing. I want to see if James Harden, who is... An artist painting in his preferred medium right now this is the muck he lives in I want to see if he's got any mm-hmm. new tricks this time around we had the fat suit that was introduced into all of our lexicon the last time around are we going to get an Oscar winning performance of him maybe having an injury in training camp that all of a sudden's going to sideline him for a little bit is he going to find some new off the court way are we going to get another car chase thing like we had back in the day with the Dallas Mavericks and that whole DeAndre Jordan will they won't they it's exciting times Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www1800 gamblernet In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. All right, well, if we're going to sort out a complicated mess, we might as well talk about the latest update in the uh, Blindside Revisited situation. Like, like, do we call it Blindsided now? I saw that was the headline a lot of people were running with here, too blind, too sided. We'll figure out the sequel that's apparently getting made of this movie right now in this hellscape as we had yesterday. And Charlotte, you weren't with us, so I'd be curious to hear from you on this front. We haven't gotten to talk to with you. But we had Michael Orr come out in a 14-page document accusing the Tuies of lying to him, more or less, I'm paraphrasing here, lying to him about adopting him back as the impetus for this entire story that became the movie in the book, The Blind Side, and instead tricking him into signing a conservatorship that would give them the ability to negotiate over his business deals and leaving him out of the money that they earned from the movie, The Blind Side. Going forward, the Tennessee family has now fired back at Michael Orr, accusing, who after, after this accusation, Saying on behalf of the family that the quote, the idea the family ever sought to profit off Mr. Orr is not only offensive but it is transparently ridiculous the family claims that tuesday these allegations come after or threatened to go public with his story if they did not pay him 15 million dollars they said that he they have consistently treated him like one of their family and the response to threatening him including saying he would say a negative story about them if they didn't do this is something he has tried before but not gotten to this point on so charlotte what's your been your reaction to all of this here the story that we were all sold back in the early 2000s that now has just been torn apart at the seams?
2: I mean, I think that one thing is for certain, which is that the Tui's 1,000% profited off of Michael Orr. For them to say they didn't is a lie, I think, because we've seen they took a, they got cuts from the movie. Um, you know, what's is her, Leanne, is that the mom's name? Yes, um, yep. Mm-hmm. Tui, yeah, Leanne Tui has, she's a motivational speaker and a writer, and where would she be without the guy to write and talk about and build her brand on? Um, I don't know, I don't wanna, I'm, I always feel weird when it's like the the two sides of this and I just don't know what the truth is. I don't know if anybody knows what the truth is because it seems a little bit muddled, but I mean, you know, I think you can say, well, you know, why is he coming forth now? What, blah, blah, blah. But I think the bottom line is that to for, for the two is to say, like, we never sought to profit off of this kid is simply not true, even though they say, you know, we gave him a cut, we blah, blah, blah. But So it's like, but you did you did. I don't know. Am I created, like, I, I sort of see this and I'm it, like, am I missing something?
1: It's muddled is the perfect word because it is muddled because there's the one side of it that says this family was worth, what, a couple hundred million dollars before they brought Michael Laura in. So it's like the common sense side would say, why would they take advantage and take the cuts from the movie when they have already had so much money? So, I mean, there's that side of it. I mean, there's the side of, you know, Michael Orr is out on a book tour right, tour right now and he's been interviewed and he's kind of not talking a lot about this, but basically saying, you know, he does appreciate the Tui family, you know, taking him in when times were tough, but he, he does try and keep out there that I think part of that interview, he said, I was an All-American football player before they took me in. So, you know, where he is trying to say, again, go on that movie to say that movie really portrayed him as a guy who didn't know anything and the two taught him everything. And he's like, no, that's not how it went from the money side, man. I don't know. Now, you know, do we hear, is it true that that he tried to get 15 mil out of him? Is it true that other um, attorneys wouldn't take his case uh, because of the way it was going? I mean, there's a lot of things out here yet to be determined, I think, about this on, on what the tuis what the did on their side to what is Michael Lohr doing right now. There's many people saying, "Is you know, does Michael Lohr lose all his money uh, from playing football? Is he trying to get money back? One thing that I will say, this is the only thing 100% perfectly I can say crystal clear. For those of you who have mentioned that Sandra Bullock should give her an Academy Award back for winning it, for, for portraying Leanne Tui, you're idiots. That is 100% crystal clear. It's one of the stupidest comments I've heard in this whole thing and one I feel very good about saying you people are idiots who think she should give back the award for portraying Leanne Toohey
0: in that movie. I mean, it seems like a really uh, favorable portrayal that Leanne would certainly love. But also, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if all of, all of these things, as rough as they've been, I think I saw Will Compton say it. I mean, the acting job she had to do to make... What apparently and my God, if you have followed any of the Reddit threads of Memphis uh, service workers talking about their interactions with the Tui family here, making them likable in this movie seems like it might be worth an Oscar on its own. So uh, they're <laughs> certainly at that element of it. But Dad, you said this yesterday and Charlotte, this is kind of how I felt about it because you're right. It's become cloudy now, the picture. And that's why I always tried to insulate whatever our discussion was from what the specific financials ended up being. Because is there a chance that Michael needed some money and this is what maybe drove this to happen now, that that's the answer to the question for everybody who's been wondering, why now? Why is this coming out at this point after all these years? I don't know, could be. We'll find out when they go to court. Because the one thing that's going to become clear when everyone's got to dump their receipts on the tables and both sides' lawyers have been like, we're confident in our case when we go to court. We're going to find out all that business then. But at the core of it is what you mentioned. It is, hey, you know what has never stopped rich people before? Having enough money. Like dad, your point. Yeah, they had $200 million before. You know what every rich person has in common? That has never been enough. And the fame that comes (laughs) along with it is a drug that is propelled, like Charlotte said, Leanne Tui and Sean, both to the heights of being named figures that people know, especially around their alma mater, which certainly doesn't hurt. And so all of those things swirling together lead me to believe, yes, people might have been a little bit comfortable telling the fib and fudging some of the facts around this in order to benefit in ways that might not be as easily quantifiable as the percentages associated with the movie and that I feel like I can pretty comfortably say based on everything we've seen and everything we've known about this situation and the facts right now so
2: i think that that's right i think the the one i was going to say that too the you know how they got all that money is by always wanting more money and you know maybe 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 if I try to be less of a good person, I'd have more money too. But here we are. And
1: listen, I'm not going to sit here and bang on people who have a lot of money and want more money. As long as the way they get it, you know, let, let's – Let's hope they didn't do what Michael Orr is saying. Now we're again we're, we're going to have to find out because you would hate to think people with money taking advantage. But it wouldn't be the first or last time uh, that something yeah. like that is done. But I'm I'm kind of with all of us here. I mean, there's there's a lot out on the table that we have to kind of let. Get sifted through, and as we said, both sides of the lawyers are like, we think we have a good case. And Mike, you, you, as I said all along, you've been right. The receipts, actual, actual receipts, are going to be thrown on the table, and and a judge is going to have to figure this thing out on who is owed what, or is anybody owed anything, or this thing, or is the conservatorship is that going to be over? We just all wipe our hands and we go our separate ways.
0: I have no idea at this point. Rich people taking advantage of minorities in America. Why does that sound so believable? Uh, I can't quite figure it out, but we'll see if we can get to the bottom of that at some point. In the meantime. Let's switch over to actual football. We started this week taking a look ahead at the fall that we're going to have. A lot of college football buffs in the chat right now. And so we are going to try and answer three big questions about each Power 5 conference over the next couple weeks as we get ready for kickoff of college football seasons. Week zero, next weekend, Dad's going to be over in Ireland hanging out while I watch his dogs. We did the Pac-12 on Monday. Rest in peace preemptively. Um... And today we thought we would get to a conference that is going to exist in the world to come, and that's the SEC. Uh, it just means more, et cetera, et cetera. Three big questions about the SEC heading into the 2023 college football season. And I feel like we need to start with this because while it seems like we've seeded the reins of college football over to the two-time defending champion Georgia Bulldogs, Charlotte, I will start with you. Should we be afraid of how much Nick Saban has been smiling this off season? Cuz I have seen a lot of press conference footage of him cracking jokes with everybody. I saw him on Marty and McGee the other day talking about how he doesn't do karaoke. He dances because he learned growing up that dancing was how you got dates. And Nick Saban was putting us on game. And all of these things that lead me to believe he's a little happier than we've ever seen him should we be terrified are the Tide going 15-0 and this year. Mm-hmm.
2: I think that counting Nick Saban out is the dumbest thing you could ever do in college football, even if Kirby Smart has been, you know, really being successful against his old former boss uh, and maybe dad. I don't know. It's tough to say. Um, Yeah, I think that I think I think a smiling Nick Saban is the scariest thing in college football. He also said recently he was like, I really like the attitude these guys have and was saying nice things about his team, which you know, it, it also could be gamemanship, right? Like he could be feeling like, I don't know. But if he projects that he is very confident, other people will therefore be scared. And maybe Alabama, Alabama is already terrifying. So like if you want people to be a little more scared, that's fine. But yeah, I would be absolutely terrified if I were a coach or a player on any other team. And I saw Nick Saban saying he's dancing. That's like out of a horror movie.
1: Well, I mean, you sit there and look at, what, their preseason number four, the last time they were, what, that Lewis was in 2009. And what happened in 2009, he won the title. Uh, So, yeah, listen, you can never count Alabama out. But they do have, normally it's just reload for them, right? But they seem to have some holes to fill more than just reload to see how the offensive line can play, who's going to take over a quarterback. Nobody uh, has really, you know, taken the reins of that. Uh, they have some holes on defense. So they. while it's always a reload, they're going to be one of the top two teams in the country, it kind of hasn't been that. But for them, a slip to four is like, oh, my God, moments, right? And we'll see again. You know, they have Tennessee and LSU back-to-back, though there's a bye week in between that. Uh, but but they, but they do have them back-to-back on the schedule with with that week off. So it, we'll get tested. The, the bottom line to me is Georgia, Alabama, LSU probably get the best athletes, the the majority of the best athletes in the country to come to their schools, and then it's what you do with them, like Georgia's gonna be loaded again. But as I said yesterday, three of the top four teams in the preseason rankings all are new, new quarterbacks, right? Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama. Michigan, the only one returning a quarterback.
0: I think Alabama in total lost eight draft picks including one of the best pass rushers in school history the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback and one of their best defensive backs in Brian Branch on and on down the list and yeah you know Jameer Gibbs in the backfield they'll replace some of that but it feels like a lot even by Bama standards especially because this team's become reliant on quarterback play and yet here they are the second best odds to win the SEC the best odds to win the SEC West over a team like LSU that brings back their quarterback and a host of other people it just seems like this is the ultimate testament to Bama respect and nick saban smiling what charlotte said about nick saban saying he likes this team's attitude i think is the ultimate reflection of what Nick Saban's always done best, which is adjust. He, for a long time, could grind his teams into dust. And I think he saw last year you might not be able to do that as much anymore or maybe just with this current roster. And he said after a uh, practice, sometimes you got to know when to kick him in the ass and sometimes you got to know when to pat him on the back. And he's had to do, I think, a little bit more of that than normal because this is the current landscape, because of how this roster is set up. And so I think all of that can kind of work itself into maybe a different approach. And one that again, has always been the hallmark of Saban, whether it's been schematically or otherwise, being able to change when everybody else might not be willing to. Let's get to that other team involved. Second question here. Is a national championship a reasonable expectation for Brian Kelly and LSU or LSU in year two, Dad? They made it to the SEC championship representing the West in year one. They got big wins over the likes of Alabama. Is this the logical next step considering where he is coaching right now?
1: I mean, I think he can have the talent to do it, but I think it's just the toughness of the conference may, may stop him from doing it. They lost you know a few players on defense to the NFL. Um, obviously they, they, they play Alabama as we talked about So it, it's it's for teams like I said Georgia, Alabama mostly you want to throw LSU in there because of the athlete they get a lot of athletes that go on to the NFL so they're unbelievably talented players is the holes you have to fill they don't have to they, they do have a quarterback coming back and Jaden Daniels is do they have to do they have to fill the holes or are they just reloading? Um, and and Brian Kelly making it to the SEC title game last year, I think was surprising to some. I actually think they take a little bit of a step back this year. I think they exceeded expectations of where they ended up last year, and I, I don't think they're going to get that far this year.
0: Yeah, Charlotte, I saw it. Uh, Phil Steele does a great job tracking some of the things that you know, our general indicators of success going forward. And if you look back last year, Alabama was down 17 in their game against Auburn, down 13 in their game against Mississippi State, won by three against Arkansas, overtime against Bama. Like a lot of the close win stuff and come from behind generally tend to be indicators of regression. But like Dad said, you've got your number one wideout back from last year. You've got your quarterback back, four or five starters on the offensive line. And oh, by the way, Harold Perkins on defense, who might be one of the best, if not the best defensive players in the country, is wearing a single-digit number right now. People should be terrified about what that kid's about to do. <laughs> but all of that, Charlotte, can lead you to believe maybe they are built to kind of push past what would be a normal sticking point.
2: Yeah, I mean, I also think that uh... – whether it's reasonable or not to expect a championship out of Brian Kelly. I think that LSU fans probably are. And if he doesn't, it will be very hard to get those people back on board because, you know, he comes out there with his fake Southern accent and then exceeds expectations. Well, that's great, but they're also paying him so much money. Uh, the, the, the whole, idea of Brian Kelly and LSU is so weird already in terms of a fit that the fact that it worked, I think, bought him a lot of goodwill with the fan base. And so I think that if he takes a step back, you know, LSU went six and two in conference, they were 10 and four out of conference, which is also a little weird to me. I'm like, I don't know that that portends a championship if you're like, you lost more game. I don't know. Uh, but I I do think that there is an expectation simply because of how strange the whole thing was to begin with. And then the fact that it worked, if it doesn't, I think that's going to be a lot harder for people to stick with Kelly and be like, no, 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 this is, this, this can work if, if he has a worse record than last year.
0: Yeah, you're right, Charlotte, that is the expectation because when you look, the last three head coaches that have come through here have all won national championships, and excluding Nick Saban, it's hard to argue that either of the other two are flat-out better coaches than Brian Kelly, and so that is the expectation because everyone just seems to be able to do it at LSU, and they've got all the pieces that usually make it happen. Let's get to the last question here because I don't feel like I have heard more conversation about a quarterback who has so far accomplished less on the field than joe milton the quarterback for tennessee dad is joe milton the most important player in the conference this year because i would argue His swing, his rise or fall is going to determine so much outside of the powers that we mentioned because we saw with Tennessee last year what the ceiling can be with Josh Heupel, that temple, that offense. And Joe Milton's got infinitely more talent than Hendon Hooker, who was so productive and a third-team All-American for them last year, he just hasn't been able to corral it so far.
1: All you hear is the talent of Joe Milton, how f- strong his arm is, how far he can throw a ball. But let's remember, they lost their best pass rusher. They lost uh, their top two wide receivers. They also lost, lost some old linemen. So again, do you, can you plug that in? Do you have the talent level and the depth to be able to fill those spots? Uh, and, and then obviously the schedule, Alabama and Georgia, South Carolina who beat them last year. South Carolina had an excellent uh, latter part of the year. So, yes, I think this comes down. Hendon Hooker, I loved Hendon Hooker and what he did. And then he gets hurt, and then Milton has that monster game in the in the bowl game against Clemson. Uh, so everybody's eyes are widened, and th- their appetite is wet now going, okay, you know, this guy is going to do it. Tough schedule. Do they have the talent to fill those holes I just talked about? it. That's the biggest question to me.
2: I also think that it's sort of an interesting uh, phenomenon that's going on right now because Joe Milton he's made nine starts in his five-year career he's lost the starting job twice I was obsessed with the Tennessee team last year as I think a lot of people were first of all I loved I agree senior I loved Hendon Hooker
3: yeah. um,
2: but I think that that Bama win and I think that their ascension Um, In a a way that people were expecting or or, or thought was a possibility, but weren't totally banking on was just so exciting and fun to see Tennessee be great again that there's a lot of goodwill left over from that success. Um, And yeah, I think that if this works, I mean, it will be thrilling to me if we can get a Georgia and an Alabama out of there
0: it is thrilling is the right word there is no player i want to see succeed more than joe milton this season because of all the ability because of what it would mean for the sport it is also interesting to consider and everything that we've talked about with him he stayed he stayed at tennessee through all this stayed through getting replaced in a way that does feel uncommon these days all right time to finish off a wilder wednesday with this that and the third three quick stories get on out as always, download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us that five-star rating. Download, subscribe, rate, review Oddball with Charlotte and Amin Hassan, and make sure you get yourself some of that basketball goodness each and every day. Also, make sure you help out and support our friends at Around. They're trying to do you a favor, help you look cute as hell and protect your eyes from the sun. That's a great friend and one I would like to give my hard-earned money to. They're the go-to for high-quality polarized sunglasses that aren't going to break the bank. They just released a phenomenal set, the first nine teams of their MLB collection, so you can get your Yankees, your Red Sox, your Cubs, your Cardinals, all those goodness. You can also still, we got the World Cup going on, still support the women's national team even though they're not playing anymore. They got those sunglasses you can get ready for Paris next year. Fail to prepare, prepare to fail, et cetera, et cetera. So don't be the person staring into the sun or trying to get sand out of your overpriced sunglasses. Go to knockaround.com, get great looking, high quality polarized shades starting at just 28 bucks. and use code GOLIC at the checkout. Get yourself some free shipping on that order. Everybody wins. Uh, speaking of participation trophies, let's get to this, that, and the third. Uh, my father is raging against the machine right now. And Charlotte, we've got this. The NBA unveiled its schedule for the play-in tournament. They made a big show of it the other day on NBA Today. It is highlighting number one overall pick, Victor Wembanyama. They are the only team, the Spurs, that have more than two of its four group play-in games on ESPN and TNT. I have said for a while, Charlotte, Adam Silver is trying to make Fetch happen, the European soccer fan trying to insert a mid-season tournament to drum up interest. Do you think, Charlotte, basketball analyst, that this is bound to work?
2: I actually do. I think that this is not for this is for a generation of kids who are going to grow up looking forward to this, but I also think everybody who's sitting here saying nobody's going to care, why are we trying to do this? Everybody's going to be talking about it. It is going to get that whether you like it or not. You are going to be talking about the in-season tournament. And whoever wins that, you're going to be saying, is there a chance that they can make it farther in the playoffs? And I think that in the playoff conversation, people will be like, well, look at their look at their performance in the in-season tournament. And I also think it's just going to give something that zhuzhes up that first that front part of the NBA season a little bit because, you know, yeah, a little, a little spice on it because the the final four games. Are gonna be in Vegas. It's gonna be very flashy. And whether you like it or not, it's gonna be a headline that people pick up.
1: I can I can maybe see the final four getting a little more zinging it up, but the rest of it until then, Charlotte, it's just regular season games. I mean, they count as regular season games. I mean, I, I don't I'll give you the final four in the championship game that there'll be more eyes on it. I don't know if, me personally if I'll particularly wonder if the winner of the in-season tournament will win the NBA championship. I know that'll be if this keeps going down the road. That's only be talked about how many teams have won the in-season tournament and then went on to win the NBA championship. But I just I just don't get the whole thing. They're they're regular season games except for the championship game.
0: See, what I can't wait for now is this gives us a new opportunity for banner slander. Somebody's going to hang that in-season tournament banner. I know they are. <laughs> and when it happens, we are going to roast them into the ground. I, I think, Charlotte, overall, I do. I, I like your point, and this is something I have to remind myself more and more of these days. Some things are not made with you in mind, and that is okay. This might be for other people, and that might be the goal in this situation. Let's get to that. Speaking of goals, we've got the Women's World Cup final set between Spain and England. Unfortunately, it appears the Levitard Show curse and really the Stu Gatz curse upended the Matildas and uh, co-host country Australia who lost 3-1 to England in a game battling over people who have the English flag in their flag. Um, Charlotte, what's your consumption of the Women's World Cup been like since Team USA went down?
2: I'm really embarrassed to say this, but I'm gonna tell you the truth. It has been very, very low because the games are not at a convenient time. And if they were, I would be watching absolutely everything. But I can't justify getting a I mean, I'm also a giant baby about sleep. Like if I don't get enough sleep, I flip out. So it was not this was not my this World Cup and I were not on a collision course, let's just say. But um, you know, I definitely gotta gotta watch I got it. I got to get better. And, you know, there might be a short amount of time to get better, but I'm I'm going to get better.
1: Well, l- listen, I I think this one was tough to get into if our women weren't going to be in it just because of the time, I mean, people I, who was going to set an alarm for three in the morning to watch, you know, any country that wasn't ours, we would do it for us. But I mean, because let's be honest, the majority of the fans here drop in for this, right? They're not you know, everyday fans of soccer, we get so many more that are that are just kind of dropping in on the Olympics and dropping in on the World Cup. So it needs to be a little more, you know, accessible if our women aren't going to be in it to watch it, to get up that early and to watch it. And don't get me wrong, it's been a huge success around the world. Attendance has been great. The The ratings have been great. It's been a smash hit. And and I guarantee you plenty of the, the other women's teams are happy as hell the U.S. got knocked out of this thing uh being number 1 in the last two world cups or winning the last two world cups so you know it i think overall it has been a success but we tend to do things of how do we deal with it in the states here and i think once we lost our women out of this and the timing of the game made it a little more difficult for people to get up and say yeah i'm going to watch two countries and
0: not one of them is ours You know what? I've now got the spin zone that I've been searching for all along with the women's national team. They did us a favor. They knew this wasn't a winning hand. One of my least favorite things in the world is when I have a 20 in blackjack and all of a sudden the dealer goes and hits a 21 then and gets me when I've got a good hand. But there are times when I pull a 12 or a 13 and they have an ace where I'm like, just take it. I don't want to have to battle out this hand. It sucks. I'm going to lose and it's going to be bad anyway. The U.S. women who have accomplished more than pretty much any other international program in our country, maybe U.S. men's basketball, looked at this and said, you know what, we don't want to disrupt the sleep cycle of a nation we know that they'll go out and ride for us and they'll wake up at the ass crack of dawn to watch this but why would we put them through that when we can just get out early get some rest be like lebron james when he didn't make the playoffs that one year enjoy the well-earned rest and then get ready for paris and win in the olympics when it's going to be cooler anyway and you're going to get better fashion we should have seen this coming all along they actually care more about us than we care about ourselves and for that I salute and thank the women of the national team there for doing a great service to this nation. Wow. Let's get to the third. College football. Yeah, I could spin zone with the best of them, baby. As wow. I will for this. We got questions. Brett McMurphy reporting this morning that Nelly will perform a Super Bowl-like halftime show on ABC at the Big 12 championship game at December 2nd at AT&T in Arlington, Texas. Sources tell him the kickoff is at noon Eastern. I am very interested. I've said I know I'm washed because the Super Bowl halftime shows and their equivalents have now started to cater to my musical interest, and they're always on tape delay. But, Charlotte, are you at all worried that this is going to compromise the Dr. Pepper halftime show?
2: Uh, no, because, to be honest, I would really love to see Nelly at the Big 12 champ. I'm sorry, that's funny. Like, that's so funny. That's a Big 12 tr- being like, oh, let's talk about trying to make Fetch happen. They're like, oh, my God. We got to be more like Jerry Jones. We got to be more like the NBA. We got to be cool. We're hip. It's not like the conferences are all shifting. We got to show we can keep up. Who's Nelly? He's going to perform, and you know what? I could not be more excited for that set.
1: Uh, listen, I'm a fan of Nelly. I I, I get it trying to go with a big halftime show, but. What happens to the Dr. Pepper football toss, Mike, that you hosted for a couple of years? Our buddy Jason Fitz has hosted. I mean, who doesn't like to see a chess pass of a football into a, you know, into a big Dr. Pepper can? Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of like that just to see how they were, was anybody going to actually throw it like a football or were they going to shot put it or what they were going to do? Now we get a concert. So while we get a nice concert, it's at the expense of something I kind of enjoyed
0: watching. We need answers to that. What's become clear is the Big 12, who is one of the conferences that acted fast and got other teams to join. They're like your friend in college with a car. Sometimes you got to put up with some of their weird divorce dad choices and weird music choices in order to keep making sure you have access to the car right now. I don't know if all these vape clothing collaborations and musical guests are going to make them cool, but they got the job done and they get to live another day. We hope you live with us another day. Subscribe, rate, review. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Go! go. Boom! Money in the bank.